Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Welcome back to episode 45, part two. Duh. Part two. Duh. Uh, and this is Rodney Alcala, the dating game killer. Now, before we get full swing into this, we want to say a great big thank you to Studio Sweden for our headphones. If you guys want to reach out and look at their stuff, go to sudio.com. Um, and if you decide to purchase, then you can actually use Color Me Dead to get 15% off. They've got earbuds, they've got over the ears, they've got plenty of colors to choose from. Highly recommend it. Reach out. Get yourself some shit. Get yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself, bitch. Treat your motherfucking self. <laughs> I just ordered me Preach. pink ones. Did you really? Oh, I did. Nice. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you want to help us out and support us, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. And as always, thank you to our alpha dogs, Tiffany Piper and Clinton Toon. Um, thank you guys so much for being our biggest supporters. Yeah, and last week when we were doing our Patreon shout-outs, we said that Jenna's podcast was in in the woods. It's actually Meet, meet Me, in, me the in the Woods. woods. Sorry, we're douchebags. <clears throat> Sorry, dude. You can't trust me with anything. Well, and I knew that In the Woods was part of it, so I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, fuck, yeah. that sounds right. I'll, let's just go with that. And that would be Jenna Corbett, and she also gave me permission to let you guys know that the Jenna-nator is Jenna Corbett. And we did dun, wanna, dun, dun. And we did her survivor story, and we just want to say thank you for that. Yes, thank you. So go check out Meet Me in the Woods podcast. Let's recap. Shall, Shall we? we? <laughs> this cunt butter. This old cunt sack of a piece of shit human. Did you just say cunt I did. I like that word. And think That's about cunt butter. That's filthy. foul. <laughs> so last week we we talked about Rodney Alcala, who was also pretending to be John Burr. Yes. Um, he was a camp counselor. He yes. also abducted and raped and nearly killed eight year old Talia Shapiro, and did minimal time for that. Because he's a stupid. Butthole. Well, he'd fucking sneaked out the back there, guys. He sneaked out the sneaky back, you <laughs> dirty little bitch. You little cunt butt. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, so, all right, I'm done. Um, also, we talked about Comelia, who, a.k.a. Michael Crilly, whose murder is still unsolved. 13-year-old Julie, who was kidnapped, forced to smoke pot, and kissed by old nasty-ass cunt butter. Ew. And Ellen Hover, who is missing. Jill Barkham, who was brutally raped, strangled, murdered, and then left on the side of the road. Yeah, and she's the one that they didn't know if it went in with the hillside strangler or not. Right, because we we briefly touched on that, where, like, these things were happening side by side. Yeah. Yeah. And they took DNA from that, but... It was unfortunately seventies at the yeah at the time that these murders were taking place, they didn't have the sophisticated technology that we have now, because you would think that if they swabbed a vaginal or anal cavity or an oral cavity, that they would be able to match up the DNA whatever mm-hmm. was left behind, and they they weren't able to do that. No, 
Now, this week, I'm going to give a warning. I know that we already have a disclaimer, disclaimer but these are nasty. Every, yeah, these murders this, are not fucking nice, you guys. No. And so just keep in mind that if you're sensitive or easily bothered by some of this kind of material and granted it is it is a true crime oh fuck man wow we don't know what it is it's a <laughs> 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 it's a true betrayal crime. jesus christ fuck mouth make words don't betray uh, me bitch my fucking mouth betrayed me uh it is a true crime podcast and you guys need to know that when we do our research we do it as thoroughly as possible and we pride ourselves on that. Um, so there's going to be some information in here that maybe you don't want to hear. So proceed with caution. Yeah, because the only shit that I left out that I found was stuff that doesn't fucking matter. Like the names and ages of all the siblings of the victims and shit like that. Because that matters. Yeah. Me. I just... I, Meh, Shane. I just... I don't give a fuck about the siblings, Shane. <laughs> I don't give a fuck where they went to middle school. I know. We're going to start out with Georgia Wickstead. We're going to jump right in, and this is full-blown murder-packed episode. Yep. Get your boots. Get ready. Grab your butts. Yep. Hold on to your butts. (laughs) (laughs) Smoke them if you got them. Yeesh. Yeesh. Georgia Wickstead was born December 22nd, 1949, to Mary Golden Wickstead in Mechanicville. I believe that's the name. That's a strange thing. We should ask somebody that lives up there. Mechanicville, New York. She was the second of three children. Her mother and father separated shortly after she was born. When Georgia was five, they moved to Los Angeles because I think her mom got a new job opportunity in Los Angeles. So they packed up and moved moved across. It really is. When she was in junior high school, she had like a breast cancer scare. She went in and had to get it all biopsied and tested, and it it ended up coming back benign. But it was, I guess, it was a big deal, and she was with nurses all the time. So at that point, she decided she wanted to be a nurse. Helped me. I want to help other people. So she became a nurse. Yeah. 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 That's good. I'm glad that she had such good care Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it made her want to be a nurse. However, her mother was a school teacher and didn't have enough money to send her to college, so she got her medical assistant certification and worked as a medical assistant, and when she had enough money to go to nursing school, she went. After that, she got she eventually got a job as a cardiac care nurse at the... Centinella. Centinella. Have you been there? Mm. <laughs> I, know the, I know the area. Centinella. I figured. In Inglewood. She was very well-liked, and she was kind of witty. Like, she kept people on their toes, like our kind of people. These are my people. These are my people. In 1977, when she was 27 years old, she moved into a place of her own. It was a beautiful ground-floor apartment in the Malibu Surf Complex. I bet that was beautiful. Oh, I could imagine. All she ever wanted in life was to be, like, her dream was to be a nurse and to live on the beach, which she did for a while. she's fucking rocking it. Mm Mm-hmm. On December 15th, 1977, she went to a friend's birthday party at um, Brennan's Pub. Yes, that place. She didn't really know anybody there because it was kind of like a friend of a friend type birthday party. Well, it was her co-worker, Gail. 
Yeah, it was her coworker Gail's friend. Friend. So it was, yeah, it was that fucking six degrees yeah. of Kevin Bacon, I showed up to your fucking party, thanks for having me? Yeah, I, I yeah. don't know. That's, it's like, it made me awkward just reading about it. I'm like, oh, God, oh, I just want to die for her. <laughs> fuck. I'd be like, I'm going to go not be here yeah, anymore. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I was invited by <laughs> six people you know yeah. from junior high. Well, and only knowing one person, which that one person clearly knows more people, so she's like, See, and I would be totally okay. Well, you like would, I, but I wouldn't. I would be no. like, oh, God. Like, I would show up and be like, hey, motherfuckers. Who likes <laughs> Party's t- here. Yeah, like, who likes tic-tac-toe? We should play a big fucking game of cornhole. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> no, not her. I don't think. I think she is more like me. Anyway, after the party, she dropped off her... Her friend Gail. Roommate, get, or roommate, Jesus. It, it was a co-worker, friend mm-hmm. Gail, and was home and in bed by about 2.15 a.m., they had made arrangements for Georgia to pick up Gail that afternoon because they worked like the three to eleven shift at the hospital together. Oh, so they were doing like mid, like the mid swing shit. Yeah, and Gail, Gail had a little motorcycle thingy that she usually rode, I guess, but it broke or broke down or some shit. So Georgia, oh, fuck. she was like one of those cool little Italian people on oh, the yeah. fucking moped. Ciao. Oh yeah, ciao. <laughs> so Georgia had been giving her a ride to work by two thirty, when Georgia hadn't picked up Gail and didn't answer her phone. Gail was like, "Well, fuck." So she called her mom and got a ride to work. When she got to work, she realized that Georgia wasn't there and she hadn't called in. So no. her mom was like, "You should probably call the police and let them know about this shit." Especially if she had been a very responsible friend in like regards to picking her up and showing up to work and not doing the no call, no show. Like that would be a big fucking red flag. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next day, which would have, well, that day, which would have been December 16th, Jeffrey Cannon of the LA County Sheriff's department received the call that Georgia had not picked up her coworker or showed up for work and wasn't answering her phone. Jeffrey Cannon, Jack Nenninger, mm-hmm. and Mike Mike Powers responded to the call. When they pulled up, they noticed that a screen was missing from one of the front three windows mm-hmm. and had been propped up on one of the nearby walls. Yes. And, and there was a box under that same window that was missing the screen. So like somebody, somebody had fucking yeah, given themselves a, a boost into her fucking joint. Give me a boost. So they knock on the door repeatedly and then they found that the door was unlocked. Yeah. So they, which, dude, oh, that's so fucking sketchy, and especially in L.A. But they found that the door was unlocked. So they walk in. Now, the apartment was, like, fucking 90 degrees. It's like goddamn yeah. Sahara in there. And it was totally dark, and they ended up having to turn on their fucking flashlights. Which, can we just acknowledge the fact that, like, why the fuck was that apartment so goddamn hot? I don't know. That's what I've been wondering. Why? Like, I still have so many questions about that, and there's not really any answers. But so they flip on their flashlights. Now, the three men, they saw a dead body, and they immediately split up, guns drawn to search for a suspect or, like, another victim. They are trying to secure the perimeter and figure out, like, what the fuck is going on. Now, they cleared the the apartment and determined that it was safe, that there was nobody in there and they notified the homicide unit and then waited. Lieutenant film Bollinger of the LA community. Oh, LA. 
LA County Homicide Bureau and a team of about 15 investigators arrived at about 9.20 p.m. What they found was where we gave you that additional disclaimer. So, just so you you know. It gets rough. They found a naked female lying on her back. Her entire body was covered in bruises, lacerations, and blood. Her knees were splayed open, forming a diamond, and there was that signature pool of blood between her legs and underneath her. So... A pair of pantyhose had been knotted several times around her neck. Um, bloody sheets, pillowcase, a bedspread, a nightshirt was all, like, strewn around around her. Yeah. Uh, there was a huge blood stain on the mattress yeah. in the middle. And there were blood splatters on the railing of the bed over all four walls there was blood on the toilet, a bar of soap, and a towel in the kitchen sink, which leads me to believe someone was trying to do a little cleanup after they fucking rallied this chick. He didn't do a very good job. No, fuck no, he didn't. But, um... Why would he carry slides through everything anyway? Like, fucking fuck, slippery, right? slimy bitch. I'm a snake. I'm a sneaky snake. I'm a little flubber little snake. <laughs> Fucking pervert. A blood-stained claw hammer was also about two feet from her head, as did a pair of shoes. The autopsy that was performed on December 18th by Dr. Shipley described her injuries as the following. Massive face, head, and circular bruises, skull fractures, claw-like lacerations to the skull. Tears inside the front part of her mouth and lower lip from blunt force impact. Cut marks on the neck from ligatures and broken bones inside of her neck under her jaw, which had pierced through the back of her fucking throat, which were from the force of applied tightening ligatures, which I'm assuming were the fucking pantyhose. Um, Ruptured blood vessels in her eyes from the pressure to her neck, which is common, I believe. Fractured and dislocated arm, lacerations to the lips of the vagina and the labia. The conclusion of all of this, almost every injury inflicted took place while she was alive and there was still blood pumping through her body. Ligature marks to the neck were consistent with strangulation and a tear to the vaginal wall was consistent with forced penetration of an object. Which I... Pray to God it wasn't that fucking hammer. Hammer, yeah. I don't, I don't uh, like any part uh, of that. Uh, the fracture to the skull was consistent with being struck by the hammer, and a palm print from the brass railing of the bed was recovered, as was sperm from inside her vaginal, anal, and oral cavities. Ca- cavities. A niece cavity. A niece cavity. Cavities. What the fuck? Like, how many... Times. Um, How many times? What do you have in you, boy? I don't want to be that perverse person. No, but I thought the same thing. Dude, usually guys have like a one and done. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to pull out and keep ejaculating into different places. But if they found his fucking sperm in all of these places, what the fuck was he doing with this body over an extended period of time? I I just have a really hard time with that. Like, was the was the woman still alive? Like, yeah, the whole time. 
the pretty whole much. Like, I bet she was. I mean, like when he out. was depositing fucking DNA into her body, was she still alive? I don't know. That's like. I hope if she was still alive, I hope she was at least unconscious. I fucking hope so too, because that's just fucking filthy. Yeah. She, Sorry. I, yeah. I. I have a real. I'm like. I got the pre-puke slobbers. I keep keep yeah. the, you're going to keep those throughout yeah. this episode. Yeah, those pre-puke slobbers where you, like, get the fucking... Yeah, because it doesn't get any better as we go on. No. Not at all. Nope. There were two different types of blood found at the scene. DNA evidence was collected, but the technology in 1977 wasn't good enough to tell who the fucking murderer was. And we, we briefly touched yeah. on that. When George's older brother went to clean her apartment, he walked in. He was like, somebody's got to do it. Fell to his knees and vomited when he saw all of the blood stains everywhere. He, like, hurried up, cleaned up as much as he could, and took things that weren't covered in blood. Because... Well, you've got... I can't... I, I should ask one of my brothers, like... What would you think walking into a situation like this? Don't ask them that. They shouldn't ever have to think about that. It's horrible. That made me so sick when I read that part. I was like, no. When George's parents found out, they were unconsolable as... It fucking can be... Like, I Mm -hmm. would be inconsolable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, walking into your sibling's fucking apartment and seeing Mm -hmm. all that shit, Mm -hmm. you would be too. Her mother ended up taking a leave of absence from teaching. She was a school teacher. I think I already mentioned that. And the next Christmas, she ended up going to a mental institution because she just couldn't handle what happened to her daughter anymore. And her little sister, who had been a great student and, you know, was always really upbeat, she quit college and, like, she could barely function because of all of it. So not only did he kill Georgia. No, you fucking, you, you fu- murdered. You wrecked a whole family. Mm-hmm. You wrecked everybody's goddamn lives. Ew. Uh, Georgia's brother and sister never saw the body because the funeral director advised them not to, saying, quote, we can't can't put put her her back back together. together. Yep. I don't, dude, I don't do fucking viewings. I don't want to see bodies. I don't. No, I don't. I don't either. I I don't want it. So, as we've mentioned before, the Hillside Strangler was also killing young women and leaving them... On the side of the road, the same time he was doing all this. So he's kind of like, um, like falling into other serial killers, like in their shadows, right? Because there's bigger, better things going on than him, and so he can kind of just weasel in there and do his. Well, thing. if the if the authorities are hunting down multiple fucking people, they're gonna look for the one that obviously whatever they consider to be the most important at yeah. that time. Well, and in the 70s, just in California, here's the uh, list of murderers that were going on. And we won't go into them too deep right now because we might be doing episodes on some of them down the right. road. We have William George Bonin, who was the freeway killer. Juan Corona, who was the machete murderer. Oh, that one's one of my favorites. Richard Trenton Chase. Oh, we all know about Chasey. We all know about the vampire. We all about the Chasey boy. My my rabbits aren't good today. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened to my blender. <laughs> I need a better blender. All I'm doing is blending up the rabbits, and it's don't, not fucking working. Don't make me laugh. 
Sorry. It's gross. <laughs> I went into way too much thought about Fuck. Chase and his rabbits in the blender one day. Because all I think day. about is that magic bullet that my kid uses yeah. to make his fucking smoothies. Mm-hmm. And then I think about Jenna when she's like skin and bunnies. Uh-huh. And she's like posted stuff about it. And I'm like. And so then you go to Richard Chase who's pissed very, off because his fucking blender won't. It's a keep breaking. Like, they, that's all I can think about is you should have had a magic bullet. Jenna could have skimmed him I for know. you. Maybe you wouldn't have killed so many people. You could have Sorry, drank liquefied yeah. fucking bunnies. Sorry, Richard. Like, you were just born in the wrong era, I guess. Sorry, Mom. Sorry. Sorry. We had Patrick Wayne Kearney, who also got referred to as the freeway killer. Randy Stephen Kraft. The mm. Southern California Strangler. Mm-hmm. And Gerald Parker, who was the bad, the bedroom basher. So we have all those people going on the same time as him. Plus, in New York, you've got Son of Sam going on. Right. Got, so you've got tons of shit. Yeah. Just, like, all over the fucking nation. Yeah. So if you're wondering how he's sliding through the radar so easy, they're like, well, we don't have all the full evidence on you. So moving on. It's nice to know that they pay attention to that shit now. Yeah. To where they're like, ah, we might want to have more Red people flag. fucking. Yeah. We're going to check into this a little <laughs> bit deeper. Rodney Alcala was a person of interest in the Hillside Strangler case in March of 1978. The police went to his house and questioned him. He had an explanation for every single day for every single murder. Go figure. And they decided that he was clear. But while they were there, they saw some weed in his house, so they took him in. <laughs> He's on parole, so he can't have the weed in his house. He did a little jail time for drug possession. You've got the drugs in your possession. Possession. But they fucking let him go again. And let him go again. Weird. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to the next? To the next one. We have Charlotte Lamb, born June 26th of 1945 in Lexington, Kentucky. She was the fourth of eight children, six girls, two boys. She was born on her father's birthday and was such a sweet-tempered little baby that her dad called her Shug. That's, that's so fucking cute. I, both of us, that's so cute. So fucking cute. She was just such a chill, sweet-tempered little thing. Shug, my Shug. Her father was a farmer and her mother was a homemaker. They moved around a lot and lived very simple, like sometimes in a house, sometimes with electricity, sometimes not, like yeah, just like whatever. They you live off bath? the land, yeah. Go haul the fucking water. Yeah, or, or mm. go get in the river, I don't know. Right. Whatever. She was a good kid and a good student. When she was 18, she moved to California with her boyfriend. Once they got there, they eventually separated ways, and she stayed there. She worked as a legal secretary, which was something that she had done back in Kentucky, too. No, she lived, like, five blocks from Venice Beach. And if you've ever been out there, that's a fucking good time. I know. I want to. I've only seen it on movies, obviously. But it seems like it would be so fun. June 23rd. 1978, around 8 p.m., Charlotte called a couple of her friends to see if they wanted to go out to a new club called Moody's in Santa Monica. Her friends told her they just wanted to stay home that night, and so she was like, well, fuck it. I'm going anyway. YOLO. YOLO. Did you just say fucking YOLO? I said fuck it, YOLO. (laughs) I will slap the ever-loving shit out of you. Did you see my attitude when I said it just for you? YOLO. YOLO. Hashtag fucking... If anybody actually says YOLO that listens to us, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Or am I? don't. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not kidding. Don't say say it. Please don't say YOLO. 
Don't say it. On June 26th, which was three days later, her sister called to tell her happy birthday, but she didn't answer the phone. So Charlotte, three days, nobody's heard from her. They called to tell her happy birthday and Yeah, because their family's in Kentucky, so it's not that uncommon to only talk to your family, you know, know, once a week or whatever. Stop and think about 1970, like late 70s. Yeah. It's fucking long distance. Oh, yeah. And you're still paying that long distance rate. Yeah. On your fucking house. On your house phone, Fergus. Oh, my God. There's a cord on it. (laughs) Her car had been left about three quarters of a mile from Moody's for six days. So it was removed and impounded. Her family called the police after being unable to get a hold of her for so many days. And she hadn't shown up for work. Like, I wonder, okay, that was a Friday. They noticed so, on Monday. Saturday, so, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, so by the time she hadn't been showing up for work, it's like, well, fuck. And then her car got towed a few days after that. Right. So, following this incident, Richard Plass was a homicide police officer in the city of Santa Monica. And he was responding to the missing persons call. So, he goes to her humble abode. Mm-hmm. Knocks on the door. Nobody answered. So he goes and asks the the manager to let him in. Like, I need to look around. Fucking policia. Open. Open the door. Open, says me. Everything in the apartment was in place, and a TV guide was open to June 23rd. Dun, dun, dun. So the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't take him very long to link her disappearance to a body that had been found in an apartment laundry room 13 miles away. Her body was discovered by Zafar Shah on June 24th, early that morning. He'd gone down to do his laundry with, a, like, a fucking basket loads of yeah, shit. he was get, and, doing some work that day. Yeah, he had fucking stuff to do. Yeah. But he's the one that discovered her body. She was laying on a concrete floor. She was nude and posed and bloody. Go fucking figure. Uh So this is starting to fit that fucking MO. You know what I mean? She was laying on her back, surrounded by blood. A shoelace was tightly, like, wound around her neck and attached to a sandal that hung on the side of her head. Her arms were bent under her back, like, propping her up so that her breasts were, like, up and out. Yeah. I know, dude. And her legs were spread wide open with like her genitals facing the laundry room like entrance yeah and if you haven't noticed that's a that's, that's a pattern like a big th- yeah it's a big it's thing always for yeah you're always facing the door genitals are always facing the door uh, it makes me wonder like when i first started looking at this mm-hmm. that he views women as like dirty girls yeah because that's how he poses them mm-hmm. like explicit Jen's out, dirty yep. girl, you're a bad Boobs girl. Up. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're a bad girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, after pictures were taken, her body was taken in to be autopsied. The autopsy said there was massive trauma to her head and face. The ligature was so forcefully tightened around the cartilage in her neck that her voice box and thyroid were fractured. Blood vessels in her eyes ruptured. There were bite marks on the right side of like the like the nape of her neck. Stop and think about that. Mm-mm. I have way too much. I don't want to anymore. Ugh. There were abrasions above her right. No, excuse me. 
There were abrasions above her left breast and on her right shoulder. There were lacerations over her entire genital area and contusions over the right labia. There was hemorrhaging around her anal rim consistent with blunt force trauma Mm -hmm. caused by forced penetration by either an object or an erect penis. Ew. Right? I don't like it. Oh, fuck this guy. All the fucking... All the... Not the good kind. I know. Some Smash it with the hammer! Mm. I feel like Yzma from Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. I'm going to put this fucker in a box and put that in a box and put this in a box and I'm going to mail the box to myself. And when it arrives, I'm going to smash it with the hammer! <laughs> so... Dr. Cognan was the gentleman who actually performed the, auto- performed the autopsy. Most of the injuries were inflicted while she was still alive and there was still blood pumping through her body. More than one kind of strangulation was used and a chokehold may have been applied. Um, blood stains showed that she was face down and then moved from that position to how she was found, where she was faced up, yeah. legs open, chest out. They determined that the cause of death was strangulation. Now, they did swabs of fluid from her vaginal area, and there was sperm discovered there, same as the others, but the technology just wasn't fucking there to match the DNA. Yeah, and on every autopsy report, it says that at the end, there's no, not enough technology for like this. Like, how do we... Couldn't you take a culture from each one of these bodies and test it? Like, they had the wherewithal and technology to do blood work if somebody was sick so couldn't they take a swab to I don't see if think it was they the had same? the technology to test it yet at oh, all God. like I don't think they could even see if it was the same that's so fucking disappointing because it, this could have been like nailed oh yeah a long if that time was ago. this the, these days this, this oh, yeah, day been and like age two girls yeah and they'd have been like oh we fucking know who this is he found you He went to fucking this elementary school. Mm -hmm. I know who it is. So the same month that Charlotte was murdered, police in New York City discovered the body of Ellen Hover. Her remains were discovered in a shallow grave in North Tarry Hall. Excuse me. North Terrytown on the Rockefeller. Jesus. Whoa. Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Her remains were discovered in a shallow grave in North Terrytown on the Rockefeller estate and were identified by dental records and her jewelry. After the police interviewed Alcala in 1977, they started questioning his acquaintances. Fun. Really? Finally? Oh, 1977? Finally? Finally? Uh They received a tip that he liked to go watch the sunset from the cliffs up above the Hudson River. Detective Donald Tasek of the Missing Person Squad searched the woods for evidence. He found women's underwear, a bra, and eventually her remains. After the news of this got out, a young woman called the New York City police and said she had posed for a photo session with a photographer named Rodney Alcala on the Rockefeller estate almost exactly where Hover's remains were found. Ew. I bet she has, like... I bet she showered... The fucking eat the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, like, like, oh, I gotta... Like scrub, the scrub, part scrub. On um, Ace Ventura. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm Finkel is Einhorn. She's probably <laughs> like, oh, my oh God. God, fuck. 
Cloroxing her everything. Yeah. Uh. Spraying fucking bleach on all of her orifices. Yeah. Jesus. But even though they found her remains, they still didn't have enough to link Alcala to the murder. Well. Why wouldn't they? Guess what happens now? What happens now? The fun begins. And he goes on the dating game. Yay! He's such an eligible bachelor. 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 On September 13th, 1978, Rodney was a contestant on the dating game. He was announced, the the announcer said, Bachelor number one is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the darkroom at the age of 13, fully developed. Please welcome Rodney Alcala. Fucking creepy. creepy. <laughs> fully developed? Yeah, I don't like it. What the fuck is that even supposed to mean? Like, I don't know. I know that my brain wanders and I have a pretty good idea, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Gross. Gross. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess that's fucking creepy. It's probably fucking true, too. God only knows what he was developing in there. He was developing a sperm. Okay, the dating game for those of you young children who don't know what the dating game is. I don't remember it either. I wasn't born yet, but... What they did was had one bachelorette who was, who had It was either a bachelor or a bachelorette on one side of a wall. Yeah. And then you had three contestants that would come out. That you couldn't see though. No, but if you, if you need, if you need a modern day reference, go watch Mallrats. Yes. Yes. And they would ask questions and they would get like the bachelor or the bachelorette would ask questions. And then the eligible contestants on the other side, without seeing each other, would answer. And then the bachelor or the bachelorette would answer the or pick based on those questions. Yeah. Um, you can go watch this video on YouTube. It's called Serial Killer Rodney Alcala TV Game Show Appearance. If you want to go check it out for yourself. Cheryl Bradshaw was the bachelorette. And when it was time to say hello, Rodney said... We're going to have so much fun together, Cheryl. Ew. Ew. Here, I have the intro for you. You can listen to this shit. Go. Number one is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13, fully developed. Between takes, he might find him skydiving or motorcycling. Please welcome Rodney Alcala. 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 Maybe we've been saying it wrong. wrong. I don't know. Alcala? Alcala? Here is a young lady with a wealth of experience. She once earned a living massaging feet. But she quit when her boss suggested that she work her way up. Then she the show God, is totally like, way fucking inappropriate. <laughs> and gas fucking sexual harassment <laughs> charges. God. And this was on like a daytime. Was it daytime or mm-hmm. was it evening? No, TV it was show. Daytime TV show. Just like with your regular fucking bunny, like antennas that anybody could get this channel. Oh, yeah. You watched Dating Game, Price is Right, and then, yeah, you know, later that night you watched MASH. So, yeah, you know. So you could go watch that video for yourself. There's five minutes. There's six minutes of pure fucking fun. Gross. 
Gross. Gross, Vegas. It's gross. Anyway, to sum it up and to give you a spoiler, she chooses Alcala. Alcala. I don't know how Alcala. to say it. I, Al- I'm going to say it how I say it, and I hope I'm saying it wrong just to disrespect Alcala. you, bitch. Alcala? So that was just a little tidbit of to what he was doing in his personal life when he's in between slaying fucking young women. You dumb cunt. I hate him. You dumb so cunt. Much. So much. So much. On February 13th, 1979, 15-year-old Monique Hoyt was hitchhiking in Pasadena. A, quote, this is what she said, charming, nice, mild man, unquote, pulled up next to her and asked if she would like to pose for some pictures in a contest. She was a runaway, and so at this point she was like, whatever, I'm down for whatever. I'm I'm fucking game for whatever Mm -hmm. you've got planned. I'm in. Let's do this. The man that had picked her up was, of course, Rodney Alcala. Alcala. Fuck you. Fuck you. Alcala. You bitch. Alcala. He told Hoyt that he needed to go back to his house to get more equipment, and he took her to his mother's house. By then, it was too late, and so they decided to just stay the night there. That sounds like an amazing idea. The next morning, they left early in the morning. They drove out to a secluded spot in the desert about 80 miles away from L.A. They walked for about 15 minutes into the woods until Cuntbag found his perfect spot for pictures. Well, and that's when he was asking for some pretty racy pictures. He starts taking pictures of her and then he's like, can I take some nudes of you? Remember that she's 15 and he is not. She's a fucking child. Yeah. He's in his late fucking 20s. Yes. And she's fucking 15. After he took a bunch of pictures of her naked, then he asked if he could do some silly pictures where she puts her fucking shirt over her face. So she did that. He whacked her in the fucking face with a tree branch and she blacked out. Well, yeah. God damn. She ended up slowly coming to and instead of panicking because she had a little bit of street smart, she laid there and... Like, was trying to just be still so he didn't know that she was awake. And he started raping her, like, right at the point where she's like, I think I'm going to get up and run. And then he started raping her. He started by biting her genitals and breasts. She tried really hard to just hold still, but he then penetrated her vagina and sodomized her. So at this point, she starts screaming, and he shoves her T-shirt into her mouth and yelled at her to shut up. He choked her with his hands until she passed out. This time when she came to, her hands and feet were tied up. She slowly woke, She slowly opened one eye and saw that he was laying next to her. Oh, but Cr- here's the fucking kicker. He's crying. He's fucking He's crying. He's crying, not her. He's crying. Like, he just crying. fucking raped and sodomized and brutalized a little fucking girl, and you're crying? But this little gal knew what was up, and she outsmarts him by telling him she wants to spend more time with him. And to please not tell anybody what just happened. And can I come and stay at your house? She was smart. She was because it fucking worked. Yeah. Fergus. Fergus, it worked. It fucking worked. (laughs) So it did work. He untied her. She got dressed. They drove off the mountain. Now they stopped at a convenience store to get a soda and he went to the bathroom. She told him she would wait for him. But when he went to the bathroom, she took off running to a nearby hotel where she had exclaimed to people like, hey, I've been kidnapped. I've been fucking raped. Like, I need fucking help. Yeah. Now. So, right meow. Right the fuck now. Right now. I need fucking help. 
So the motel guest called 911. The cops arrived within minutes, but by then, Akala, yeah. Alcala, had fucking sped off and was dusting Bye-bye. off into the fucking sunset. Mm-hmm. The police took Hoy in, and she described him. They showed her about six pics of people matching the description, and she was able to pick the one of Alcala, Akala. I can't. I'm, I know. It's going to fuck it, with me now. I can't get it out of my head now. But she was able to identify him through the pictures that she was provided. She was taken to the hospital where she was treated for bite marks, rope burns, and chest injuries. Uh, Rodney was arrested and taken to jail. He agreed to do a taped interview and said that Hoyt agreed to simulate. Right. Simulate. Finger quotes. Finger quotes. Simulate. Uh, sex acts with him for pictures. He admitted to strangling her and shoving her shirt into her mouth so that she wouldn't scream. When he was asked why, he said, quote, your, quote literal finger quotes. Literal, because you want to quote this shit. Yeah, Ugh. this is not what I said. This is what he literally said. Mm-hmm. When he was asked why, he said, you're in an unreasoning situation. Your brain and you just don't know what to do. You're not reasoning. You're not thinking. I raped her. Did you just get the chills? Like all willy fucking nilly. I raped her. All right, you got me. Ah, shit. But it's because my brain doesn't work and it's not all together. Yeah, and me and my brain weren't on the same page. You got I told me. him no, but he said go. Yeah. What? I'm s- sorry. What the fuck, fuck did you just say? What? 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 Why am I saying what? What way? <laughs> Jesus Christ. After being questioned, he was placed on a $10,000 bill. His mother came running to the rescue. Of course she did. Of course. And mom posted the bail, and they let him out on March 16th. Well, his trial was set for September, and until then, he was a free man. At the end of April, he quit his job at the LA Times, told him he wanted to open up his own photography studio, and fucking bailed to Northern California. So... So, they think that he quit his job so that he could get ready for his upcoming trial about this. No, no. Nay, nay. Nay, nay. That's, that's not how it went. Oh, no. Jill Patrono was the youngest, by far, of three children. She had gone to business school and was a supervisor at Technobil LTD in Burbank. She had recently moved into her own apartment. On June 13th, 1979, her older sister, Dee Dee, had called her. Now, Jill told her that she was going on a date to a Dodgers game with a guy named Dan Brady. Yeah. This was Jill's first date. How? Just fucking hold that in your heart for a minute. Uh-huh. So, Dee Dee told Jill that she hoped that she had a great time. I'll talk to you in a couple of days. The next morning, June 14th, Kathy Bowman, who was Jill's friend that she had talked to every day before work, had not heard from her. She called her thinking that maybe Jill had slept in or gone to work early or, yeah, maybe she didn't feel fucking good. Well, a little later, Kathy called the office to see if Jill was there, and she was not. Now, Kathy and Jill's boss decided to call Jill's brother and sister to see if they had heard from her. Neither of them answered their phones, and a co-worker had volunteered to go to Jill's house to see what was going on. So what Kathy found was completely horrifying. 
She immediately called the police and couldn't even finish her sentence. When the police arrived, they found Jill naked, face up, on the floor near the bed. Her legs were spread wide open facing the entrance. Her shoulders and upper back were propped up by the pillows, again, as if she was posed. Could you imagine, though, being the one that was like, okay, I volunteer, I'll go check it out and then find that? I bet you don't ever volunteer to check on people ever again. Dude, if somebody was like, hey, Nikki's not answering her phone, do you want to go over there and see what's going on? I'd be like, no, no, I'm going to send Spencer. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking I'm not trying to see my best friend like that. No. No. There was severe trauma to her nose, cheeks, teeth, and head. There was also ligature marks on her neck. There was a torn and knotted nylon stocking laying by the side of the bed. Blood-covered blankets, sheets, robe, shoes, and socks were all at all over at the foot of the bed. Have you noticed that he liked to leave, like, piles of their clothes, including yeah, their no, shoes? Yeah, he no, had, he had a fucking M.O., dude. He had a fucking style. He did, and the shoe thing is what's so weird. There's always shoes right there. I know. He probably had a weird like I, finish. Yeah, I wonder if, I don't know, if he broke in in the middle of the night, she probably wouldn't have her shoes on, so I'm wondering no, if he, he moved like, the shoes. We will find out. I don't know. Or will we? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there was a lamp in the pile of clothes that was pointing towards her body and the cord ran under her body toward her neck. There was a cord from an electric blanket wrapped around her neck. Like the others, photographs were taken and her body was taken off for an autopsy. She'd been murdered just like all the other women. There was semen found in her mouth and vagina and inconclusive findings in her anal smear. Can, can we not call it an anal smear? What is the difference? That's what I'm wondering. Because that's what it says on the autopsy is her anal smear. And it was her va- and there was a vaginal smear, too. I'm, assu- I'm assuming Does it's that like a pap like smear. the outside? Like uh, the outside, uh, inside, you know what I'm I saying? I got you. Yeah. Again, the DNA was not yet available to identify the killer. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. Why would it? I spared us all the autopsy on that one because it was basically the same as the other ones. I'm sorry if anybody wants to read it. It's in the book, which I will mention at the end of the episode. On June 19th, 1979, Rodney stopped two 14-year-old girls at Huntington Beach and told them he was a photography student. He asked if he could take pictures of them for a contest. They agreed and were flattered. He took pics of them together and some of them separate. They had a blast. They were laughing around, thought it was just a fun little thing. When he was finished, he asked for their phone numbers. But one of the girls was like, no, fuck no. Nope. Are you kidding? Like a man in his fucking late 20s, early 30s is asking little and girls for fucking phone numbers? Yeah, no. And their addresses. Yeah. So when, well, when they said no for the phone numbers, he was like, well, can I have your address so I can contact you if you win this contest? The same girl again was like, no, no, no you're Good fucking for weird. Then, for being fucking smart. Yeah. So then he's like grasping for straws at this point. He gets in his car, like rolls down the window and looks at him and he's like, you want to go get loaded? Stop. Just that, stop. Dude, it worked for Dean Coral on multiple occasions. It did. But yeah, but that he had like kids their age going out to find him though. That's fair. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. They knew it wasn't okay, so they hurried and said no, and they skated the fuck on. See, like skates. A... I can live in my skate world now. I want to ride. Back. <laughs> oh, no, what is it? I got a brand new pair of roller skates. skates. 
Oh, that's going to be in my I head don't know all the forever. Words Me either, but that part, it's there. The next day, he did the same thing with another girl. He pulled the contest thing, took pics of her. He kept asking her where she lived, how old she was, if she had a boyfriend. Her friend had been in the bathroom at the time that it all went on, and when she came out and saw what was going on, she's like, no, I'm, let's get the fuck out of here. This like, we is need to fucking, leave. This is weird. That same day, which was the day after the two 14-year-olds, but the same day as the last one, was June 20th, 1979. 12-year-old Robin Samsell and her best friend Bridget walked to Huntington Beach, which was only about five minutes away from Bridget's apartment complex. Good God. Complex. How about a complex? Not a compound, a complex. (laughs) (laughs) Robin was the youngest of four children. She lived with her siblings, her mother... And her aunt was temporarily living with them because, strangely enough, to tie in all these stories, her sister's house had burned also. Like How Talia's, weird is that? Yeah. yeah. They just moved to Huntington, Be- Huntington Beach two years before that from Kenosha, Wisconsin. She was five feet tall, weighed about 80 pounds, and had shoulder-length blonde hair and blue eyes. Tiny little baby. Mm-hmm. She was just a wee thing. Robin was super happy that day because she was going to start her first job. Quote, quote, finger quote job at her ballet studio answering phones. Her mom had been in a car accident in April and couldn't afford ballet lessons anymore. So, and she was like heartbroken because Robin loved ballet. Well, and that was her dream. So yeah. that's like the deal that she worked out with the studio. Yeah, so that Robin would go answer phones for a little bit in exchange for her ballet lessons. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty damn cute. I do too. She was super excited to be able to go back to ballet lessons that day. But before that, she was going to go have fun at the beach with her little friend. Bridget. Yeah. Like one last hoorah before I got to go fucking. Yeah. We go play and then I got to go work and then ballet. At 12. At, at a three. No. She was supposed to be a work she at was four. 12 years old. Oh, 12 old. years old. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you meant she was going to work at 12. I'm like, no, she doesn't have to be there till four. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> she's 12 year old is like, yes. hey, my mom can't afford ballet lessons. Let me do this for you. In exchange for... Well, her mom worked it all out for her. Mm. But still, that's so cute that, yeah. Little wee babies. (sighs) While they were there at the beach, a creepy dude with shoulder-length curly hair wearing a plaid shirt and slacks because isn't that what we all wear? Why wouldn't you be in slacks at the fucking beach? At the beach. He came up to and asked him if if he could take pictures of them. They said sure and started taking the pictures. A woman saw this from the beach and thought she recognized one of the girls and thought that it was creepy as fuck. So when Mr. Creep Pants posed Robin, like she, he was like moving her hips and posing her legs and bleh, this woman that saw it decided to walk over and see what was going on. The little girl that she thought she knew was her neighbor, Bridget. Mm. I don't like it, Fairgas. I don't either. Not at all. It makes me fucking, like, this is why I don't want my child to go to college away from me. Or anywhere. Like, I want her to always be where I am because I'm so fucking terrified of people doing weird shit to my kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck. And this story doesn't make it any better. Nope. So, Jackie Young was the woman that actually approached him on the beach and recognized Mm -hmm. Bridget. She asked, mom tone. Like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? 
The girls told her that they were getting their photos taken by this man, and Jackie said she didn't think it was a very good idea, and told them that they shouldn't talk to strangers and, like, go home. So they walked home. She walked with them. She was like, I'm going with you. I don't fucking blame her. Yeah, I don't either. I don't blame her. Mm Mm-mm. Robin realized that it was later than she thought, so she borrowed Bridget's bike to ride home to get her ballet clothes and get to the studio. Well, Robin never made it to the studio. The ballet teacher became concerned when she didn't show up at four to answer the phones. And now it's almost five. And the ballet class was supposed to begin and she's still not there. Her ballet teacher called her house and Robin's aunt answered the phone and said, you know what? I haven't seen her fucking either. Well, her aunt then called Bridget and that's when she was told she left the house at about 3.10 p.m. The aunt then called the mom and they called a bunch of Robin's friends to see if she was there and they all said no. They decided to drive the route that she would have taken to get to the ballet studio to see if, like, she had stopped off, if she was talking to anybody, did you get a flat tire, like, yeah, trying to figure stuff out. By that evening, the police called, and by midnight, she was officially a missing person. And that's where we're going to leave you this week. Yeah. I don't, there was too much, sorry, the cliffhanger bitches. (laughs) There was too much murder in this episode that was nasty that I didn't want to add this to it. So that was for your own sanity. I think it was a little bit for everybody's. Yeah. Especially you. Yeah. It was mostly for my sanity. Like I literally had to stop. Yeah, I had yeah. I had to stop here. <laughs> so this is if we haven't fucked with you enough, if we haven't horrified you enough with Mr. Akala. Akala. Alcala. I guess that's how you say it if you're from fucking Utah. Alcala. Yeah, let's just roll with it. Let, let's fuck own it. that bitch. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Alcala. That curly-haired sneaky snake of a bastard can eat the dirtiest parts of my cornhole. I don't give a fuck. Not mine. I don't want him close. He bites. As oh, we shit on you. Out. Fuck. I have <laughs> You're fucking, just going to blast I have IBS and Crohn's him. disease. I'll just shit on you. <laughs> Fear gas. Do not fuck with me. I've been eating a bunch of corn. I will shit on you. Mr. Rodney, you can go down there to your own discretion. <laughs> fucking danger. It's danger, but I'm not going to tell you that. If you fucking bite me, I swear to God. God, I'll punch you in the Before you get started, how much are you into a hot lunch? (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking dirty. You're nasty. nasty. So nasty. Listen, Rodney. Have you got a desire to be shite on? (laughs) I ate some corn. To recap, we have Georgia Wickstead, who was raped, beaten, and strangled. Charlotte Lamb, who was raped, beaten, and strangled. Monique Hoyt, who was beaten and raped but escaped. Jill Planteau, who was raped, beaten, and strangled. And now Robin Samso, who is an official missing persons. Also, the remains of Ellen Hoover have been found in this time. So next week, we get to go more into Robin Samso. And I'm sorry about that right now. Um, We want to... Talk about the book that we're using for this episode. It's called The Dating Game Killer by Stella Sands. And we mentioned that in the last episode, but we just want to say thank you so much for 
giving us material. Yes. Yeah. So much good material. It's a good book. I, I mean, as much as it can be good about a cunt face like this. Right. 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 Uh, so, also, let's say thank you to Nancy Abercrombie, who donated a stun gun to our meet and greet. She does Damsel in Defense. Um, if you want to look up any of her products to arm yourself or any of your loved ones, please go to mydamselpro.net slash P-R-O-N-A-N-C-Y. Apparently keep that shit with you at all times because there's cunt bags like Rodney that like to come into your fucking apartment. Uh, sneaking through fucking windows. Yeah. And get a pit bull. Five of them. Get a big one. Or an Akita. Or something. The barks. Get, get a couple of each. Yeah. Do that. Uh, we want to talk about the Purple Lotus. You can go get our BF bombs. BF bombs. Our BF bombs. We have the Bloodbath, Sweet Sticky Murder, and the Body Farm. There's also plenty of other things there. Go check them out. Uh, the Purple Light. Jesus Christ. How about the Purple Lotus Online.com? And you can use DeadPod15 as a promo code to get 15% off of your order. Also, if you guys are interested in getting some merch. Merchandise. Fiergas, would you like a fucking hoodie? <laughs> Still, look on your face, your eyes get all big. Oh, I don't know if you know it, but they've got fucking bath mats, shower curtains, <laughs> blankets, hoodies, all of those things. Okay, so if you guys want our merchandise, sorry I get fucking swept up in that. I could talk like Nick. <laughs> so you can go to Threadless. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, check us out at uh, colormedeadpod.threadless.com. Uh, you can also get our merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash color me dead pod. And we are currently working on three new designs with for... Tom. Tom from Horrid Taste is Yeesh. making us three new designs. Yeesh. Uh, should we spill the beans on what they are a little bit nope, or no? Nope, 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 sorry. Nope. We're not even going to give you not, just the tip. Yet. None. Nothing. And Nothing. The only thing we've got left last but not least, is the beautiful Kagan Breitenbach. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. <laughs> You're beautiful. It's true. Do we share? Do do we share? Do we serenade him? But we need to go get Greek food. Like I'm. Yeah. That's all that's on my brain now. I feel like. Oh when... fuck! I'm gonna be in the city tomorrow. Oh shit. It's your birthday. You can have Greek Greek food. You should be able to break away for some Greek food. Yeah. So, for those of you that don't know, my brother's best friend died. Don't. I'm not going to cry. I am. Not this time. And, uh... Yeah, you were. I just heard it. <laughs> no. He, uh, he died of the weirdest circumstances ever. And that's why I'm going to talk about it, because it was so fucking bizarre. But, um... He passed away last Sunday, and he died... Of the world's second rarest bacterial infection ever. And you only get it from cats and dogs. And it only happened because he didn't have a spleen and an appendix. And those are the things that like filter bacteria out of your body. And he was giving his dog pills and he had an open cut on his hand. 
and got, I guess, too much saliva there. And so for like two weeks, it was just like a perfect storm of fuckery most foul. And last Sunday, it like invaded his body to the utmost extreme. And he ended up passing away in the ER. And uh, his funeral is on my fucking birthday. Yay. I know. I mean, we're old and it, I mean, it's not a monumental least... fucking birthday. I mean, it's kind of a shithole birthday. It's fucking 37. It's not like my fucking 30th or 40th or, you know what I mean? My, like, it's kind of a lame birthday, but my thirty-seventh birthday. I gotta birthdays. bury, like, my, basically this person, like, was my brother. I've known him for 27 years. I gotta bury him on my fucking birthday. I mean, at least you have an excuse to have a shitty birthday. I feel like if ever there was an opportunity or a reason or an excuse for me to go and binge feed until I vomit and fucking eat some more, this is it. You need to drink some of those honey, what are those called? They don't make them anymore. What the fuck? They're called blood and honeys. They took them off the fucking menu. Why? Fiargas. Oh, Fiargas. Fucked over. They took them off the fucking menu. I'm going to go riot. Because that was That's, half the reason I went there. I know. And I, the last time I was there, I asked for a blood and honey. And they were like, uh, we don't even have the stuff to make it. Because they didn't have the blood uh, blood orange juice to mix it. Bring your own next time. Be like, I right. brought the orange juice. Make me the fucking drink right now. So they made me a different thing that they were like, oh, this is kind of similar. Twas not. Twas not. Twas not similar. It was like black licorice liqueur and fucking mm. whiskey and something else. And the first fucking swallow that I took was like hate, discontent, and like a bad one night stand in my mouth. A gigantic nope. <laughs> yeah. Couple of podcasts that I wanted to shout out. A podcast. Podcast. Have you ever listened to a podcast? <laughs> Do uh, you like yes. them? Listen, with a tin of biscuit, <laughs> there's a couple new podcasts that I've been listening to that I'm I'm really fond of, and uh, I've been following the Mad Asian podcast. Podcast. What po- podcast? Yeah. For a minute, um, go listen to episode two. It's called Tales Told in the Dark. Now they do true crime, the occult, urban legends, kind of. A little bit of everything. A, a little bit of everything. A little and I, bit. And I really, dude, you got to fucking, and if you follow anybody on Twitter, go fucking follow them because it's it's a good time. The other one is called Holly Weird Paranormal. And if you're going to go listen to my favorite episode on that one, it's episode seven. And it's the New Orleans Axeman. Oh. Yeah. Which is kind of my home. Like Eesh. New Orleans is my home. So, no, Orleans. Okay. So maybe don't do dating game shows and stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.